Start recording, start recording. I like the background, by the way. What, 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 my back, what is my background? So you've, you've placed us both um, in like a forest scene. Oh, fucking, how did I do that? Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Lord of the Rings. How did I do that? <laughs> oh, so you can't see it? No, I've oh, got my... Wait there, don't don't change it because I'll take a I'll take a photo. Honestly, I have I haven't got that. I've just you just got a picture. I've got me and you. Like it's just like we're just like. <laughs> Wait there, look. Man, this is not this is I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm pressed on something without realizing. I was like, oh, that's nice of him. He's just changed the. Can you see this? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> oh, that's a nice touch by you. I thought. <laughs> okay, um, all right, we'll start going now. So- What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Radio. It's me, your boy, Dan Evans. I'm delighted to be joined today by our good friend, Hussein Saeed. Hussein is an asylum lawyer based in Cardiff. He's from, he's from Cardiff as well. He's also been he's politically active in, in a number of uh, excellent causes. He's involved in Black Lives Matter Cardiff, uh, Extinction, Extinction, Extinction Rebellion Cardiff and Wales, and many other excellent excellent things and extremely talented public speaker writer and yeah there's fantastic things in the, in the in the asylum system so so welcome Hussein thanks for coming on mate no it's all good man I, I, yeah it's a pleasure to be here okay we'll get straight into it you've been involved in a number of as I said number number of like extremely noble causes uh, one of which being BLM Cardiff obviously we had the the tragic deaths in, in police custody or in proximity to police custody of you know Mohammed Hassan uh, in Cardiff and Moya Bashir in Newport and then we had Leighton Jones in Pentwin although albeit you know Leighton Jones wasn't black. There's a lot of energy about the uh, the Mohammed Hassan case in particular trying to get the police to release the footage of what happened to him in police custody. Can you just give me an update on what's actually happened with that case? I mean so obviously when it when it happened um it was a huge shock, uh, not least, obviously, tragically to Mahmoud's family. What's happened before, like talking about like the sort of wider movement and everything, what's happened is of, of recently, Mahmoud's family have sadly moved to London now and they're, they're pushing it through solicitors there. I mean, to be honest, like, I don't know anything that's new that's happened. Um, it's remained the same. It's, you know, the, the family is, is still trying. I mean, I think the difficulty is, is, as we all know, like how long it takes for to get any even semblance or any you know morsel from from the IOPC. So that's still continuing. With 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 Moeed, uh, they they got given the, the this list has got given the footage, and that's that's where it's at now. So they're still campaigning, and and Moeed's brothers, uh, Mohanid and uh, and and Mo, they've both gone up to London and and have been started working as well with the Chris Cabba campaign. Yeah, so they did stuff up there. But yeah, I, I get like if I'm honest, I don't speak to the Mahmoud family anymore because the connections really were mainly 
through Hilary Brown and Lee Jasper. And I never really had a relationship with the family as close as I do with with Mohammed and Mo. Yeah. So I speak to Mohammed and Mohammed and Mo still, and I know what's going on, and and you know we still you know work with them, and I still message them. But but with 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 Mahmoud, the family when they left. Um, when they don't stop working with Hillary and stopped working with Lee Jasper, they 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 you know going to London, it just became um yeah it just the, the contact just stopped sadly. So but I do know nothing's nothing has really advanced sadly. But but with Moid, I mean his case, they're, they're still trying of course, and and the brothers, I still still speak to them. I wanted to get your thoughts on about um not 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 just BLM Cardiff, but like BLM as a movement in general. I was initially. You're very enthused about it because I thought, well, you know, this is going to lead to a broad, you know, possibly a broad sort of political front, like an analysis of policing, and also anything that politicizes people to me is 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 useful because it's like, right, well, people are angry, let's like harness it. Unfortunately, like a few years on, all the sort of criticisms that a few Marxists were making of BLM at the time have sort of proven to be correct. You know, it, it got co-opted quite easily by the, the state, by capital, and turned into like a corporate corporate not corporate campaign but you know like and i don't like to use the word virtue signaling but it, it was it was it was it became a brand literally all the brands in the world were, were saying like blm and stuff and then obviously there was all these things like the, the, the movement's founder is like potentially embezzled money um yeah, yeah. bought itself a house using like donation yeah, yeah. and you know even criticizing it for a while was like verboten you know um what do you think about the direction of it yeah no it's interesting i think it's, it's like like you said it's important at first to like to see, like with BLM when it started, like it, you know, we're talking the, the 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 most recent incarnation, so like what 2020 after George Floyd, yeah, I think it was a lot of people that joined sort of like activism and and were chanting, you know, Black Lives Matter, etc. Yeah. Who were, to be honest, completely just like apolitical, really. You know, had no political experience. Yeah, they they had like good instincts, and like yeah. you said, I agree, like 100%. If people are angry, like harness the anger, so try yeah. to to educate, and you try to sort of radicalize. To be quite honest with you, in yeah. terms of yeah, yeah. to get them into being far left, but you know, <laughs> and and I think you know, I'll, I'll get onto it. But I think you know that that success that was successful in Cardiff, but you know, in terms of actually getting you know, the beginning where you got this huge, like, influ- um, influx of people within the sort of political movements, uh, who, in reality, had no real analysis of why these things were happening. And then you had all these theories popping up, like really weak theories, like privilege theory, and representational politics, ideas that, like, were telling, you know, white people that, like, if you literally, like, black people, if they look at a police officer, they'll be arrested. If yeah. a white person walks up to a police officer and elbows him in the face, he'll be given, like, a £10 voucher to like Tesco that's sort of like the ideas that you know were, were actually being pushed the, yeah. the the I mean you know doing demonstrations I mean when we we did the demonstration outside the police station for the first few days after Mahmoud was murdered after police contact we we you know we had people coming up and they were like oh you know uh, they're white and they were like I'm really sorry for like what you know for for who I am and yeah and and and, and the biggest crime of like uh, you know uh of privileged politics is that it tells white people that actually fighting for the rights of black and brown people will mean a net negative for themselves mm. that they have th- something to lose from a revolution like you have the world to win like you don't have something to lose like it's such a hard sell to be like okay white people yeah. you want to be involved in this movement but by the way you're going to lose everything that makes you happy and wealthy <laughs> in this life like uh, most people will be like no nah, actually i'm fine like i don't really want to do that I, you yeah, know? i've never even thought about it like that as, a, as, as i said as a mutually exclusive thing and i think 
that there was a Nadia in one. Uh, I mean, obviously it's America, but you know there was there was one protest in which all the white people in the BLM protest like kneeled down. They did like this thing where they like renounced their like privilege. And I, I mean, at the time I was like, this obviously isn't real. Yeah. Like, but but it, it was. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Like yeah. this is totally nuts. And then yeah, like I went to you know a couple of the rallies outside the Bay Police Station, and it, again, you know, very energized, very good. But then obviously I was involved in a lot of these like left movements in Cardiff and then gradually you just stop noticing the language that's being used about this stuff and like you said as you said it was it was almost a vacuum because you have this yeah. this new cohort of politicized people who've been politicized very rapidly overnight into thinking about the world and things like that which is great but then almost immediately sucked into what I would in my view is, is absolute nonsense about um you know identitarian politics and and privilege theory and things like that and then um, like you said, it, it led to this like bizarre situation where people people thought the police, like in Wales, you know, the problem with the police in Wales was that they were they were racist or like, the cops walking around Cardiff would like, you know, ignore white people shoplifting or whatever um, because that's white privilege. And then they just like beat up a random black person. Yeah. And obviously at the time I was an outreach officer working with a you know street homeless a population, which is 99 percent recent prison leavers with like extensive offending histories, the overwhelming majority of which like the rest of Wales, by the way, uh, were white. And obviously these people have extremely negative interactions with the police on a daily basis. And you see them getting jailed, uh, oppressed, beaten or whatever, like on, on a daily basis. And, and it, it wasn't because of racism. It was because of protecting property, like mainly like shoplifting in Cardiff and things like that. And I became quite worried that people were losing the ability to make links between like the different communities in Cardiff. You know, and then Leighton Jones got, got killed by the police in Pentwin. And because he was white, there wasn't, I don't think the ability to connect these pieces because it was almost like, well, oh, what's going on? And obviously a lot of the problem then is that a lot of these young people had never had any contact with the police in their own lives. It was a very abstract thing. What do you think about what, what sort of happened since? Because I, I feel like it was honestly, yeah. almost been a missed opportunity. Well, I think it's like I think it's, you know, it's it's a reaction of the state as well and of people who are quite clearly liberals and, and, and in fact, it's somewhat even worse than that, where you have people like Robin D'Angelo is talking about like white fragility and you got, you know, why I'm no longer speaking to white people about race. And, yeah. and these ideas which are actually, you know, not beneficial to to black liberation and, and, and black and brown, you know, fighting against the state. They're just not yeah. beneficial. And I think, you know, you had this 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 trend of being like read black authors and it was yeah. like, well, black authors, they're not homogenous group like yeah, black people not. aren't just a, a one person like if you like if you're interested in black liberation you'd know that it stems from people like wb du bois to marcus garvey to malcolm x to all these people the black panther party all actually representing different ideas and and different ways of going about the world and, and fighting oppression and, and you know you, you you know booker t washington i mean you got like you got loads of people that like a part of the tradition that have various views about how to how to fight against racism i think that 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 you had an influx of ideas that were, I think, personally, not as a conspiracy, but used to try and distract people from the actual ideas that that w- were that could actually try and tra- change the change the world. Because, you, you you know, I think with with BLM, I mean, so when we started, I mean, the thing is, I think, you know, we've done a good job, good job of, of changing a lot of people's ideas. I mean, just an example in the f- first few days of when we started those protests. Uh, I mean, I remember when I went there and I was the first person and I'm pretty sure I was, first, I was there very early, obviously, and I, and I shouted, fuck the police. And I remember people, some people laughing, some people I like, even shook their head. People I like, didn't know, like, why, why would I say something like this? Like this was clearly, 
Yeah, what I was exactly it's just this is just bad apples that you know that, that are part of the police, but overall the police are good. This is just a bad situation and we want answers. This is an individual case was sort of the idea. But then once you start talking and radicalizing people through words, through you know, speeches and and this is why demonstrations I don't think are useless because I think it changes yeah. the political consciousness of a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After one or after the second day, in fact, you had people going up on the first day saying, you know, there's just bad apples. This, the police are overall OK. They are our friends to anyone who went up and said anything such as that were actively booed off the platform. And were told that were, people were going up and taking the microphone off them. There were people chanting, chanting like in loud, loud harmonies, literally shouting, fuck the police, fuck South Wales, please. I mean, it was something I'd never seen. Like it's such yeah. a quick change in the way people started looking at the police and understanding what was in front of them. And I think, you know, that that was that was, you know, and then obviously we saw the, the police, the way they then were viewing us and then came to certain people's houses and tried to arrest them or did arrest them and took them to court. And I think, you know, it is a missed opportunity in the sense that I think the, th- the thing about black, black liberation, liberatory politics and, and the fight against racism is that I think it's the most useful way, in my opinion, of, of really uncovering the, the savagery of the state. It shows just so blatantly how disgusting the state are. I mean, I think people were so shocked at how vitriolic the police's response to us was. I mean, social media, they were attacking us. I mean, it was just like, you know, they're blocking us. They just, they, you know, they were going to people's houses. They were, they were literally like, they had a, like a propaganda campaign against, against us. I mean, they tried to get somebody to spy on us. You know, let's not forget that from Swansea. They actively yeah, yeah. tried to get somebody to spy on us. So they, I mean, their, their attacks against us were so disproportionate when you think about it when we were there for three and a half four days and stopped actually because Mahmoud's family asked us to stop so you know we we obviously said we did what they said but you know when 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 you do look at it like it, it does feel like a missed opportunity I'll be honest because I mean when when Leighton was murdered that's why you know we started a pantheroid which is panthers I mean it, it's been difficult to get going as best as we could because just work and time and life the the point was because you know there was this there was this this hole. I mean, we saw what happened with Leighton and it didn't fit neatly into people's perceptions of the police. And I think like it's what you said. And I think it's a really important point that like the best way to get radicalised against the police is to have police contact. <laughs> and the majority of people don't have police contact at all. I mean, even if you look at the amount of people that came to those demonstrations outside the police, yeah, about 500 people at the beginning. But like that's in reality, the proportion of Cardiff's population tiny so the majority of people do not have police contacts really unless you're poor unless you're working yeah. class you know you you hear about you know the, the idea is that like only black people are being murdered by the police only black people are being incarcerated by the police and we know like disproportionately that is yeah. true but i i personally find that the, those that were part of the minor strikes in the you know in the 70s etc they're they actually hate the police far more than actually black and brown people that i know now and it's because they literally went head to head with the state head to toe with the state and and got their heads kicked in and i I think there's been a huge sort of de-radicalization of politics i think there's been a phenomenon of political collectives or political parties transforming into not not and like those have transformed into this like a to b but you know there's been a a move from political parties to political organizations so like ngos to charities to the sectors that really are the buffer between the state and the working class and and i think people just naturally have have really like you know our generation actually don't really see the police as a function of the state but rather a, a group of white supremacists walking around looking for black people to beat up and that is 
that is kind of what they do, but it's not because that like they are looking. It's because the, by virtue of the, the the way this capitalist system works, it makes black people the very bottom of society, and and if not black people, then it'll make the the poorest next, which is you know like we've seen like the Gurnos in the Mirtha has a lower life expectancy than like Sudan, which is you know it's it's about genuinely I think it's 58 yeah. years of age. I mean it's so abysmal. Like how can somewhere like just down the road from Cardiff have a life expectancy of about 58 years or years of age or 60 whatever is so low and they'll the, you know the laws are, are designed to protect the status quo and they're designed to increase criminality to justify over policing to justify the the wealth gap to justify the the oppression of, of minorities and of the working class and that is like that's why it happens but i think people see it like you say it's so abstract that they see they don't see the connection of the state to just general private property general protection of the status quo and they see it rather as as individual offices having individual biases that they have because individually they need more training on race awareness and if we just sorted that out then the police are actually okay rather than seeing the police as a function of a racist system that can never be reformed there's two things there i mean we did an episode with our friend michael blm you know in america about a year two years ago you know lose time track of time with covid he as he was saying in that you know we've we've got a an excess, you know, sort of a, not a lumpen, but, you know, a, a, a new population who just been destroyed by neoliberalism. And as a consequence, you know, the state needs to police these police these people, mainly by throwing them in jail. And Paul O'Connell, who's a, as close to we've, we've got to a regular contributor to this podcast, Paul is writing about how, you know, the institutional and legal basis of the state is now changing as we're moving into this authoritarian phase of neoliberalism. And you can see it with the police and crime bill, you know, people are going to be yeah. j- jailed for nothing and that's just happening and like you said there there was this weird disjunction where people were sort of protesting the police you know rightly after those killings and now the actual institutional basis of the state is changing to give the police more powers um more surveillance and things like that and there's been almost well they had they you know there were riots and stuff in bristol but you know what i mean it's almost gone under it's almost gone it's gone under the radar because as you said there's almost like this this separation in the minds of people between the, the, the police and the state and, and, and their actual function. I and then the other thing is, like, as you said, because people have this weird thing that it's about in, well, it, it comes back to this idea of this misunderstanding of what racism is, is something that is inherent to every white person, it's something that you could just like get out of you, like as like a, a disease, you know, through like a unconscious bias training and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And when it's applied to an institution like the police is like, well we'll just make the police less racist, you know, and that'll be that'll be fine. Because of what are the solutions that this sort of identity politics is proposing? And, and as you said, it, it it's got no it's got no answers, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I mean I think it was interesting because like working in BLM like so deeply and like we, we spoke to like you know, we we were still like comrades of like BLM UK and and, mm. and, and others. But the, you know, there was a vast difference in the way in which different BLM groups saw the struggle and the way in which to fight against that struggle there's a lot of people have criticisms about blm uk which you know i think i'll go into a bit but like you know i remember we we had meetings with you know groups from blm leads to, to like blm merseyside blm you know uh, blms in london like all sorts of blms all over the case we had all over the place we had numerous meetings with them and like you know i'm still friends with some of them but the way in which like they, they some of them saw like the fight against racism as being like we need more black counselors we need more black mps some of them to being like well you know we're black nationalists like this just needs to be a completely like 
separate thing like you know and yeah, yeah. i think you know nationalism black nationalism you know when it's in this more radical sense has far more in common with us than the you know liberalism and etc but i don't think it's the right answer i think like just practically like you know only 14 percent of the whole of the uk is actually um, non-white so like yeah. it's going to be quite a difficult win if you you know like, you know it's, it's probably not the best idea um and equally i have criticisms like you you go back as marcus garvey to malcolm x and the nation of islam you know some of the biggest incarnations of black nationalism within the US both having deals with the KKK and and George Lincoln Rockwell as an, as, of the Nazi party in case of Nation of Islam and Marcus Garvey flirting with white supremacist groups as well because this they obviously have the same well not they I mean this is a bit crude but like they both want separate states I mean they you know they they both want technically the same goal but seeing the the differences uh in in the ideas of people it really it's it's difficult because it shows sort of how ununified the left is in and, and I think that's our biggest weakness and I think you had a, a good example of it I remember when BLM UK got all the funds and donations and they had a million and, and they've recently become a charity well, about a year ago and, and and they said it's because they had to because of the money they had and they did a clubhouse I don't know if you remember clubhouse it was big for a very small amount of time clubhouse is like this online platform where you had to have an iPhone to go on it but anyway they did like their big reveal of how much who they're giving their money to on clubhouse and they invited us to it because they were going to there was during Mah- the stuff happening with Mahmoud they were going to talk about us and stuff and um I remember they they gave some money to groups that w- were black led but were not just helping black people and the attacks that they had, I mean, I remember it was so it was it was it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen, genuinely. I remember that, you know, they they said that they were giving uh, money to a refugee charity that would help Syrian refugees, etc. And the logic, you know, Adam said as part of the LMUK said that, you know, because we think that black people, black poor people have far more in common with Syrian refugees than they do black rich people um and you know because you know, a lot of them are marxists and they was you know saying completely correct things but the attacks on them saying that you know well why isn't the money going to black business why isn't the money going to to, to individual black people and it really was like it was sad because it was like quite clearly that you know at the end of the day it's it's kin folk over skin folk in the sense that people who who might look like you can have completely different ideas like myself being born in baghdad you know, loads of Arabs don't actually have the same ideas in terms of liberation of the Middle East uh, and, and certainly don't have the same ideas of liberation of black and brown people in general. But like it's, it's it was it, it, it really showed me just how sort of separate and, and, and unified we are as, as a group. Um, and I think it's something that we have to sort of take some responsibility for is, is a lack of organisation and the way in which like you had BLM US, which were, to be quite honest, with you, just a sham and put all their weight behind the Democrats, you know, at the end of the day, like during the election and and, you know, embezzled some money. And, and I think it's quite clear that, that, you know, that happened and people try and defend it. But it's almost like, well, no, it's just these people don't represent us. You know, they're, they're just another form of like the BLM global network is just another sham created and co-opted by the state and by the ruling class that is just now being used as a very soft reformist sort of organization that would never be respected by the black liberationists of, of the Black Panther Party or of, of all these different, you know, different radical groups in the past. But I think it's it's hard because I think a lot of the liberalism that comes from US politics has seeped in, I think we mentioned this earlier, seeped into the UK. And even in the way in which we view the UK politics, we view it as if we're in America. It's 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 crazy. I mean, because like the, the context and the history of the UK is so different 
And, you know, this is the this is the thing. I mean, CLR James talks about black radicals being less um, sort of willing to cede power or, or be, you know, domesticated almost by the black bourgeoisie or the black man- managerial class yeah. than trade unionists are by, you know, the, the trade union bureaucracy. And I think that's true. I think, you know, the, the black radical movement is actually far can be it's so radical yeah. in its pure, pure, purest form. And the black managerial class doesn't really have much to say about it. And we, we had a lot of the black managerial class here in Wales try to co-opt the movement and try to incorporate us in different things. Or you saw a lot of activists getting sort of almost like you would see them. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not going to say, but you would see them in like 2020 uh, and then come to one or two demonstrations in 2021 when it really got I mean, that to me, actually, to be fair, but I'm just going to quickly say, like, I think what, what was interesting when 2020 happened, I think it was very easy for people to and it was quite sad, actually. It's quite easy to people for people to really chastise the US for what happened to George Floyd. Yeah. And you saw a lot of politicians, even like people like, you know, the, the Labour Party come out and, and come to Butte Park when we had that 5000 person demonstration or whatever and talk and, you know, condemn the US yeah, and talk about like how the UK isn't great, but like we're not that. And then suddenly two black people, Moeed and Mahmoud, get murdered in, in Cardiff and in Newport. And where were all those people like they just stopped talking you know we just stopped talking where was mark drakeford's condemnation of police officers coming to our houses where was the the mps and the 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 ams or whatever coming to the demonstrations to talk about the racism that was happening no one said anything it was almost like it was just like it didn't happen you know and and i think that I think it's very easy. And then you even have like activists who were very vocal in 2020. And then suddenly when the racism is at your front door and the police at your front door, literally, then they start to actually they turn away and they're like, oh, they're not they're not interested or they've they've gained something from it. And I don't want to say this, but I'm going to. A lot of activists gain something from those demonstrations. They you gain job. You get and you get capital, you get you become a voice, you become an exactly. activist, you know, because activism is now a career unfortunately exactly. because of social media you can build capital from being a voice and, and you can ride the crest of waves and then you go up oh i'm i'm known i'm a face exactly and it, and it shows like you know how what's so sad is since what's happened and like you said the fall in the i mean we did a demonstration to to we did uh with with uh Mohammed and and uh and mo we did a, a year a, you know a next an anniversary of of mm. of, of Moeed in, in Newport and it was so sad that like I mean it was a good turnout but it's about 100 people you know the, the level that has gone down is so sad and what was so disheartening is that we had the Butte Town Carnival uh mm. this year and and the police were invited to do like a stall and I said to the person who organized it I was like what's this like how in the world could we go from the police murdering someone in that area to having a stall i've seen a local group of of young muslims who, who want to you know organize in the community and they've got they had a, a bame or whatever fair and the police have stalls again like how we've just reverted back almost as if and it was just it's sad because like i know personally how radicalized a lot of the people got from seeing what happened but it's just the way in which the system just co-ops people. Suddenly you had even activists in 2020 doing social media with like the, the army and doing social media with the police. And and I'm puzzled by how we've got here, you know, and and, and I think it's just a failure somewhat of, of, of the movement. In terms of the, the Welsh specific stuff, there's something that I found interesting was 
you know, obviously, you know, I wrote a, a book on this, the fact that, you know, Wales is this narrative of, oh, we're such a progressive country, you know, we're so radical. Then, you know, you've got Alan Michael, who's like a Welsh Labour grandee, is the Police and Crime Commissioner for South Wales. You know, he's overseen an enormous rise in, like, stop and search in, like, Grangetown and Bubetown, has come out and, like, backed the police on the fact, you know, keep doing this, keep doing this. You've got Drakeford said, you know, fuck all, let's face it, doing the deaths of those boys. And then you've got South Wales Police uh, pioneering, like, facial recognition technology, yeah. which is, like, incredibly uh, dystopian. But which was found to be unlawful less than, I think, yeah, it was like, you know, and, 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 like, you know, that's been applied to activists, it's been applied to football fans. But nonetheless, this narrative of, like, sort of Welsh progressivism has, like, mm. persisted. And what I found really interesting is, like, you had all these people who were sort of furious about what happened to Mahmoud and Moeed um, and with, you know, very, you know, active anti-racist online within months have sort of been back in full into this sort of uh, ideological consensus online about like Wales is actually really radical. Bambi Mark is like a best leader ever. Um, and within, because what I think Welsh Labour have been really good at, they've been really good at incorporating aspects of representation politics. They've been yeah. really good at it. Like, not just with race, but with gender as well, you know, and 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 so we've got this new ideological consensus to sort of like re-hegemonize. There's just no critical thinking. It's like you know, the f- people can say we need more, we need more black politicians. You know, Vaughan Gethin's going to be the first black first minister, which I think there's a good chance he will be. You know, people praising Natasha Askar is like, okay, we're brilliant. We've got a BME AM. It doesn't matter the fact she she's a Tory and she's a landlord. You know, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the fact that Vaughan Gethin is like incredibly right wing you know, the Blairite bloke. It seems to me that we've got, like, we've achieved, like, the blending of the world's two most moronic political cultures, like this uncritical Welsh nationalism where anything that happens in Wales is great. And you've, like, grafted, like, the worst aspects of American identity liberalism onto that. And you've created this, like, this hellish sort of concoction, which... I don't know. It's like you, like you, like you said that you look, you look back and you think, well, where's, what's happened? Like, where, (laughs) how can people just go, oh, yeah, okay, everything's fine, everything's fine. I, um, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm like a bitter, a bitter, twisted person. But that, I, th- I also think that 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 is legitimate, you know. It, no, I think it is. I, and I think, you know, we had like, we, had, we have different, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, there was some really positive things that came out of, of in terms of activism outside of the pandemic, obviously terrible time. But what I'm saying is that, you know, I remember we, to organise demonstrations, I mean, the way in which like, it was done and I'm, I'm you know for, for purposes of you know I'm, I'm not saying I was involved in this but you know to talk about demonstrations I mean w- what happened is that different activist groups would just post at the same time yeah. um, and there was a collection of about six or seven activist groups all of which had thousands of followers each posting at the same time so the police never knew who was organizing anything yeah, no yeah. one knew you know what was going on really and and it was such a smart way of going to getting around the regulations which you know we weren't trying to get around for the purposes of of, of spreading covid for quite clearly it's because the police were were using covid as we know is yeah. to 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 extend their power and to to continue to marginalize communities so so you know there was there was such good things that came out of the way in which we organized but then also like you said it's this 
what what's what's happened is this blend of sort of really harmful identitarian politics which really you know and we we saw it in 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 blm and we we saw like you know there's still a large section of of, of black and brown people who who really idolize barack obama you know there's huge amounts of people you know i think it, it should be clear now for people to see it with the tory party probably yeah, of course, one of the most diverse tory cabinet like ever, ever. And, and and the most racist and, yeah. and they're, they're, they're about to try and ban asylum seekers essentially by saying you know you you're not an asylum seeker if you come over illegally well there's no such thing as an asylum visa so every asylum seeker comes over illegally you know because the only way in which they can actually claim asylum which is the international right they're talking about removing themselves from the 19 1953 convention refugee convention which was literally set up to stop the holocaust happening again i mean this is this is the level of like barbarism from this this cabinet and you had like tony sewell do a black man do like the the race and the, the race sort of um inquiry whatever it was you know it's like it's such it's so blatant it's almost offensive it's almost like they're mocking people hmm. who believe in the ideas of identity politics by being like well how can you know rishi sunak be racist when he's a man who's from asia himself like blah 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 like you know it's 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 almost so pathetic but it shows how pathetic the, the culture has, has become and, and how identitarian politics and liberalism has just seeped into. I mean, you even have like, it's even hard to really talk about, like, it's hard to talk about class now. It's hard to talk about when you talk cool. about, it's it's really hard. Like, yeah, even you, called, are, you called a class reductionist and things like that. And But I mean, like, what uh, Adolf Reed and Walter Ben Michaels are very good at this. You know, they've said that the reason, and no one will ever dare say this in Wales, but the, re- the reason these things happen is because a bunch of people realise I can make a good career out of this. I've got I can create I can have cultural capital because, as you said, you have these things like centre black voices. And it's always like, OK, me, uh, you know, yeah, it's like pay people of colour who are creators, you know, pay me. Um, and it's like so if you're in the arts or if you're in political field, which in Wales is like very small, very competitive, for example, these things are like it's like manna from heaven it's like the perfect weapon because yeah. if you don't like someone you can just say well you know we shouldn't be funding like a, a, a white privileged man you know or then it's like um and then but then it just becomes this weird competition of people trying to outdo each other in terms of uh, the forms of capital they can sort of mobilize within the field but in terms of you know actually solving these issues that people uh, claim to care about this stuff is is totally irrelevant when we get down it'll, it might yeah it might get someone get a grant or, or something like that but in terms of actually solving poverty um yeah. and structural racism it's just not going to make a dent no i mean there's there's a whole now career of the professional activists there's a whole career i mean we had people i can't even i won't say their names but very senior people within them like people i can't say the names of because you know they, they're very senior in like the the political sphere and all this rubbish who were sending us and getting people we know and who who work with them sending us messages during the Mahmoud uh, demonstrations in that period sending us messages even before that with George Floyd saying that like if you do this demonstration I've been told the police are going to arrest you and then we knew it started to become like a complete sham because the messages used to be like basically copy and paste and there would be stuff in there that was referencing things from the previous messages they had sent so they were just sending them because they wanted to stop these people I can't say their names but these people are like seen as like anti-racist, like the, yeah, the yeah. top of the pile of anti-racist, yeah, you know, yeah. complete professional anti-racist. I remember speaking to in a Zoom with Alan Michael, you know, and I said to him, like, 
you know he's talking about he's talking rubbish you know about like you know the unconscious bias training and all this yeah, of course, yeah. and all this and all this stupid stuff and I, and I said you know Alan like there's no career or there's no area in, in this whole world like as a lawyer like if I did anything that was that was like followed case law that was found to not work or not not to be authoritative I'd be struck off if I, I would be negligent I'd be continually doing the wrong thing I said like, but you sit here talking to me about things that have been shown by a study after study to not work yet you're still in your job getting a, a health a, you know a pretty healthy salary yeah normally like, pay for it it's added to the council tax right exactly and and we're paying you to be giving like to be given policies or to be arguing for policies that have been proven time after time to not work from unconscious bias training to to more black and brown people in the police to all this rubbish that they keep going on about none of it works you know but it's just that the police have been integrated in every structure of society that we're using them when you know they they're, they've been shown to be literally a net negative for for those in communities they're meant to be serving apparently which you know we know that they were never meant to serve anyone but capital but this is just the the, the ideas yeah my most centrist dad sort of thought is that um i'm not massively a fan of like the idea of abolish the police not because i don't want to abolish the police just because but because i think in terms of a political sort of program that will gain traction things like sorting out the sentences getting rid of ipps and making it clear that like defunding the police for example means funding mental health services so the police shouldn't be the people who have to turn up when someone's having a mental health crisis and that's one of the worst things i found about my old job was that you know before i started i naively thought that oh someone's very unwell mentally they're obviously going to cause harm to themselves or someone else i don't know i thought i don't know what, what i thought would happen i thought they might be like a number you ring and and like someone turns up and you know like in the old cartoons they yeah, yeah, throw, yeah, yeah. throw them in the back of a padded van and they take <laughs> it to like a mental hospital but that's what i thought would happen or someone shoots a tranquilizer dart or something like that um <laughs> but the reality is people get worse and worse and worse and they deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate just like Kanye west is doing and there's no help the fact that the police have increasingly been used to do i mean they've been asked to drive people to hospitals recently mm-hmm. you know and to intervene in these mental health crises it's like um was it that you know, there's a famous saying you know if you if you're a hammer like everything looks like a nail or whatever but <laughs> You know, with the, with the police, I, I find it interesting. I want, you know, when we speak about abolitionists. It's like, I think some people have also made, I mean, this has been extremely cynical, but like have made a whole new sort of political sort of identity of just being an abolitionist. Yeah, of course. Um, and I don't really understand it because like, Surely, like you, you understand that you, you would never be able to abolish a police unless we abolish capitalism. But this is what I mean. It's like, so I thought it was quite interesting because you've got, you know, the integration of quite fringe, like anarchist ideas into like, like the left of the Labour Party, for example. And, and it's become, as you said, it's become people's, that's like their main political fixation. And I was like, well, practically, how would you, how would you do that? Like, you know, how, wh- what are you planning on doing? You having a, a Welsh capitalist state, but with no police? No, please. This is thing, exactly, and like even like defunding. Because obviously, you know, I I, I think you know, <laughs> I think all this and like you know, it's what I want. Like, I, yeah. But like even defunding, like the idea is that we'll ever be able to defund the police into actual positive sort of you know community cohesion and youth clubs and art teachers and all this sort of stuff. Like, in what world is capital ever going to want to do that? Like, it. I mean, it's just almost. It's so. And this is why, like, it's it's hard for people to, because people have carved out really niche yeah. political areas for themselves. And actually, it's all they talk about is why we need to defund the police, why we yeah. need to abolish the police. And yeah, 100%, I do, you know, I agree. But 
you never go into abolish the police. I mean, even if you look at the Egyptian revolution, they had a day called Police Brutality Day where they literally fought the police head to toe and chased the police out of the city. And that was part of the revolution. And that is that what would, if there was ever a revolution here, that would be part of parcel of the revolution. It would be fighting head to toe with the police and white people finding out you know you're fucking around and finding out that, yeah. you know, that you know if you do want to go against the state you're going to be killed if by the police if you don't if you don't fight so you know that but that would be but that's almost like it's almost like something that isn't really spoken about it's almost the revolution and and the ideas of the imagination of the working class is so limited now that we we think that we can almost because abolition has become defunding is a form of of re, re, you know reforming the state i mean i i agree because reforms have always you know go back to rosa luxembourg Ro, reforms can be part of a revolutionary process yeah but the idea is but the idea that you'd ever reform the police via defunding or reform the state via defunding for which you'll then have a capitalist state but without the enforcers <laughs> of that capital is so mad but like you can't start with that you'd have to start with just the essence of revolution which would be taking the state and taking on the private corporations of which then you would obviously have to fight the police as part and parcel of, of that process but yeah no i find it really weird and i and i think you you know, I think you, you see sort of like a large part of not a large part of the left, but a substantial part of the left that still have these ideas of like, you know, we just need to to get more black and brown people in the police, for example. And studies show even as far as South Africa that like if you if you have more black and brown people in the police, they actually on in terms of studies statistically cause more more police brutality than white cops because they need to sort of feel as if they're part of the, the yeah, like the police forces in America are extremely diverse. The, the head of the Minneapolis police that, you know, was the the, the chief yeah. of the Minneapolis police was a black guy who was part of the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, and it's, it's it's a bizarre fixation. But, I mean, again, this is a tangent, but, like, the, you know, what's, what's essentially happened is in place of class politics and sort of materialism, you have a focus on, again, I don't want to call these, like, unrealistic or stupid or juvenile sort of causes, but rather than talking about class or trade unionism or all these sort of practical things you have things like you said like abolish the police all these sort of very fringe ideas which have absolutely no chance of being implemented or catching on in a in a sort of popular program for the working class at the moment let alone even being implemented within like a capitalist system it's all very i sometimes find it this is all really strange and particularly within the criminal justice system as it stands there are so many more like pressing things that you could be doing you can get be getting rid of indefinite protection sentences but but also things like the remand system is nuts mm. like people are in jail and they haven't been charged with anything and mm. i know and i get like you know there's a lot there are reasons for that but you know these are all like massively infringing on civil liberties and they're not talked about again that might be because sort of the prison system again is abstract to people so abolishing everything is easier than than going oh we need to reform we need to reform this i don't know yeah i mean i think there's been there's like a whole because you even have people like you know people like um the end of policing alex vitalowev who are actually really not that radical in in what they think is as a wider sort of political program but they they sort of like is part of like this almost like the academic side of of the way in which you analyze like the police but like it's really completely detached from actually the working class who are literally at the very harsh ends of, of policing every day and it's almost completely removed from that like you said materialist like analysis or like materialist reality and, and I think like it's difficult to to sort of I mean I don't know I personally get a bit like 
it's hard to because even like as we know like the the way i mean people are talking about from cr james all the way to like you know to to to, to like the theorists that like you know we, we really respect and admire but like the the point of of like black liberationary politics i mean you look at paul roberson going to like the the strikes uh the miners you know all those years ago like that yeah. would now be seen as something i mean you would be like oh well you know people nowadays would i mean not everyone but people would be like oh but the miners are anti-black but also there's this weird there's this weird thing where like um so i found there's this you know the idea that you know of pretty a privileged theory and like modern sort of corporate anti-racism this idea that you know we've all got like the way to to stop racism is just have individual people who are all you know innately racist somehow you know somewhere inside us to sort of get rid of that racism i also find it like an incredibly negative narrative because it's like you, you, if you think you've got this like thing inside you that you you need to somehow like get rid of i don't know i find it sort of paralyzing like you don't want people to walk around paralyzed with guilt that they're a terrible person or or you know not knowing how to speak to people who aren't white because they're terrified of being racist and not just being normal with people and then you think you look at those old sometimes i get nostalgic when i'm drunk and i listen to the paul robeson i'm from Porth call and and the the you know the miners i stedford in the early 50s was one of the first ever transatlantic phone calls and it was between the south Wales miners federation and mm. paul robeson and he, and he was the u.s government had taken his passport off him because of the, of the mccarthy yeah. anti-communist witch hunt and he gave this amazing concert this transatlantic concert with the South Wales Miners Federation and Will Painter, the, the chair, you know, the, the chair of the Fed, gives this really moving speech and said how much they love Paul Robeson, how much they wish he was in South Wales with them. And I was like, well, that was like, you know, class-based solidarity at a time when it was like sorely lacking across the world. And that for me is something that I find really, find really inspiring. That was one of the things that, you, you know, I guess radicalised me growing up because it was like, you know, part of being a socialist is being an anti-racist, being an anti-racist you know, um, it was just part and parcel of it. And to hear about things that happened in Wales, which I was like, well, that's a really powerful gesture of solidarity, makes you want to be an anti-racist. Whereas I think now, if I was sort of coming up in politics now, I'd be I'd be being told perhaps that as a white person, I've got all this privilege, that my life is awesome compared to everyone else. I don't know, it's just a fundamentally, it's not like an inspiring vision. It just makes you feel like shit. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and I think like even the vocabulary we use now, like allies instead of yeah. like, you know, comrades, like allies, like the idea that like, you know, your liberation isn't actually tied to my liberation. Yeah, it's separate. It's separate. Like I, right. you, we need to liberate all these. And this is the issue with inter- intersectionalism is that like if you're an actual <laughs> Marxist, you of course are intersectional. But like it's like because you understand that capitalism creates these oppressions. But what is interesting is that like how the intersectionalists and how like liberals have made class or being poor an identity. So like now, like, you know, you have like homophobia, racism, yeah. class, all as if they're all the same thing or like, you know, separate, but the same sort. But like being poor isn't an identity. It's your relation to the product, the mode of production. It's like it's like your it's like your existence. It's like, you you don't you don't it's like you don't identify as poor. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? like Walter Ben Michaels has got this this uh, is an interview and he said about this in, in your know, intersectionality, like exactly what you said, like. This idea that it's all the same or it's from the same root, you know, it's not because one of those things, class, is totally different from the other one. It's totally different from the other. And you can't you can't wish it away. You can't wish it away. Like your class class exists because we're in a capitalist society. 
exactly it's just i don't know what yeah so you even get like i mean with the refugee crisis with ukraine it's what i found really interesting and like obviously i was born in baghdad and you know family members being bombed and all you know i mean i i understand like the the propaganda system is the way in which like it dehumanizes black and brown people and and you know you know these great mental flexibility to say they're going into another country and taking their resources because you're more worthy is is not a racist war like it's obviously based a lot of it on racism but it's also based primarily on the exploitation of natural resources and capital but what I found really interesting about Ukraine is that like and obviously I work in the refugee system as a lawyer but like the way I found really interesting is like it sort of showed the not the naivety but the the sort of like basic analysis now we have of like these events where it's like oh Ukrainians are are seen as like more worthy because they're blonde and blue eyed and it's and they're white and it's like on a level that is true like you obviously are going to have you know private people like private individuals on on random private you know newscasts and 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 reporters saying that like oh you know but these refugees are different because they're white blah blah you will have that but if you're telling me that ukrainians aren't accepted more so than because of their color skin their eye color their hair color then 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 you know then the fact that they are literally being bombed by like one of the main enemies of the west is not more to do with our opened arm approach their position with the geopolitical sort of uh, scenario or scene within the world like quite clearly you're telling me that if you had blonde blue-eyed white refugees coming from an overtly communist actually like properly <laughs> communist society yeah, yeah. Or being bombed by israel or being bombed by like a western western country or western ally we'd be like yeah let's come on in like you know we love all these people from this you know random communist country like i mean it's i mean yeah it's like it's part of the story but like it becomes the only story that like ukrainians are just allowed in because they're white like no like polish people aren't really that very much liked like they're also technically white like like what does that mean and and it's ideas and, and the histories of like polish people in haiti like you know su- supporting going being sent there by napoleon and supporting actually the ha- the haitians and fighting against occupied haiti and and haiti giving like polish people citizenship you know all these histories of of cross racial struggles are being completely forgotten about now suddenly it's like everyone just has this this race that has become almost like a class that like they can never get rid of these yeah. ideas that will come with that race so white people are racist and that is it like you can never trust a racist person or you can never trust sorry a white person because they're always going to be racist and and you have even like you know this this essentialism you have in all forms of of activism i remember like seeing this somebody from birmingham this activist who there was a group that came out as like being um one of the people that started it this revolutionary book readers club or something in in Birmingham it was really random it's a bit of a tangent but it was really interesting because it just showed like the just complete lack of political understanding of the things they talk about is that they this guy came was found to be a groomer the guy who started it um and you know it was terrible it was terrible and there were certain people who are still quite like seen as like you know you know on the in the Twitter world nowhere else of course but like seen as like you know really great you know like activists who had to distance themselves from it really quickly and then suddenly they were like this is why I'm never going to work with cis men ever again yeah that's class you're like that's a really smart thing to do like no it's it's the maddest thing because what i found so what i found crazy as well is that like 
because again, like I, with all due respect, but they're not part of these struggles. They're not interested in these struggles or, or, other than a very surface level. So yeah. they don't even have the, the 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 fucking nuance to say cis heteronormative because what they're doing is actually saying gay men as well. So they're like literally yeah. just like just literally like no gay men allowed either. And like if you said that to them, they'd be like, no, we've got. But like the terms they use, I don't think they even understand because it's no. just a political capital. It's saying the correct things. It's all just so abstract. None of it actually means anything to a lot of them. And it's and it, but it's also a direct consequence of people learning politics solely through social media, yeah. like so, solely through like TikTok and reading Tumblr and Twitter, and never actually reading well reading any any book. You know, and if they do read books, it'll be the ones pushed pushed by sort of liberal liberal people talking about like weird essentialist theories, which should have been debunked years ago. Um, as a segue talking about being intersectional you've been very involved in the environmental movement you gave a fantastic interview in voice wales about the environmental movement you, you've been involved in extinction rebellion obviously just stop oil and insulate britain have been in the news a lot recently with a series of in my view really effective direct actions you know they are shutting down the motorways throwing paint on was it van gogh's painting yeah, I don't van, gogh, um, yeah uh, van gogh's painting and then there was another uh, paint painting sort of a uh, polluting businesses orange and so on What's your current take on on the status of of the environment movement? I mean, also, I mean, people might be aware, but like increasingly, I mean, XR was sort of uh, made fun of a bit for like encouraging people to sort of harm themselves in the police and go to prison. I think that the uh, the stakes have been raised a bit because the Tory government is becoming increasingly authoritarian and handing out prison sentences. There's that lad who, the, 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 was Bristol, it the, wasn't it? Ten the, years, I think. Ten years, and then the, the blind activist who glued himself to a plane. Oh, of course, yeah, um, yeah. He got like two years in prison. Two years, isn't he? Yeah. And then the boy, the young lad who disrupted the Everton, the Everton game. Um, well, Ever, Everton fans worship, by the way, because he stopped the game at such an important point when they were getting battered. They then clung on in that game. And so they were like, free him up. Like, free him <laughs> um, But... On a serious point, you know, most of the football fans who, you know, who, who said, get off the fucking field, you specky little whatever at the time. Mm-hmm. Football fans of all people were like, you can't jail someone for peaceful protest. Like, you know, they were really, really shocked by the fact he got like a jail sentence. And that mm-hmm. and I really think that's gone, that's gone under the radar that the fact that these in, environmental activists who people are sort of slagging off are doing these things in full awareness of the fact that they are going to increasingly feel the full force of the state. So what's your take, I guess, on like XR, the new, these new, new, are they, are they offshoots of Extinction Rebellion? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm fully in support of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I said before in like the, yeah, the, the Voice.Wells article, like, I mean, I mean, there was a stat that came out recently and it was about how, if your, if your house is 20 Celsius and it's zero Celsius outside, how much temperature do you lose? How much Celsius do you lose in an hour? And we're the, we're the worst at three Celsius. And somebody commented like, well, wouldn't be good. It would be great if we had like a, a campaign or a group of people fighting for better insulation. I'm sure they'd be really well supported. Like, <laughs> and obviously now we have the cost of living crisis and, yeah, and people literally dying because of the, they can't feed themselves and they're so cold. And it's, you know, I said in that article <laughs> a year ago now, whatever it was, I said that, you know, they will be on the right side of history. Like, I, I mean, I, I personally don't, I find it really really superficial and and so shallow of analysis to be like you know when just stop oil, oil through the, uh, the 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 painter van gogh or whatever to be being like oh what has van gogh ever done to uh to the climate change it's like what who cares like <laughs> like I, it's madness it's it's almost gatekeeping of what is the correct way to protest 
Yeah. I mean, there, there is no correct way of protesting. Yeah, I mean, you can have theoretical debates about the best places to attack, you know, or the best places to, to try and go for. But quite frankly, like, if you think there are better places to do, go do it yourself. Because, like, it's, the, I mean, like you said, the, the Tory government becomes so much authoritarian, they're handing out such longer sentences to people. Like, some of these people are doing these things. I think, you know, they, they're, number one, they're heroes. But number two, like, they know that if they go for a very sensitive place where people are saying, oh, that would be the most, that would be the best. Yeah, no. like, they'd probably get, like, 50 years. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's a huge risk to them doing that. Like, it's, it's the, the, the political climate at the moment is so hostile to activists doing direct action i mean that's why people like palestine action are, are doing so great you know i mean like and how how strong their campaigns have been and and you know part of me you know i i do think there needs to be a, a huge layer of support behind the direct action you know because like i think that insulates and you know pundit yeah, and, like, protects the people who do a direct action but no i don't i don't understand the logic of people saying you know well insulate britain like they're, they're blocking the road so people can't get to work these are just usual people like they just but like and they're just trying to get to work as if work isn't exploitative in itself like so now the left was we're protecting yeah. the employers yeah. i mean there have been numerous labor, labor politicians over the years who said that labor is the party of of work they actually think it means we're the party of going to work rather than the party of like you know labor as in the work but i thought what i thought has been interesting is that the reactions from the left you know it should be and Paul O'Connell sort of said it, but it's just a ba- very basic point of principle to to defend the democratic right to protest and direct non you know non-violent direct action. But what was clear is that on the the Labourist tradition, as you saw two things coming together, like one they haven't really got a history of direct action, you know, because if you think about it, it's like what well, what's your political culture? How do you do politics? It's like well, we put a motion in conference. And then we vote every four years and then we campaign for Labour. And, and that's their sort of understanding. You know, Wales has got a, a very strong tradition of direct action through uh, the Welsh language movement. So I think there is a, a greater awareness how it gets the goods here. But there was almost like a total, they were like, what's going on? Like, why would you do something like this? Just never seen it before. And then that was combined on the other hand with this like weird, auth- you know, authenticrat idea of like, there's this normal working class bloke who just wants to go to work and we need to appeal to him. And therefore, we can't sort of stand with these sort of smelly hippies, you know, who are disrupting like normal life. And like, and on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I have like that residual feeling, but but I keep that in my social life. You know, like I don't want to politically. It should be a basic that you stand with these people who are doing young people who are doing like really brave things. I was just going to ask them, like, so XR obviously still ticking over. There hasn't been. Have there been many big XR demos recently or not? Just quick, really quickly on the, on the last point. I think I think you're right though. It goes right to the core of the Labour Party. I mean, what I always find interesting about the Labour Party is they genuinely believe Jeremy Corbyn was of a consequence of like the Benite like tradition, like rather yeah. than like the Occupy Wall Street, rather than yeah. like the environmental protest that Corbyn clearly came out of. I mean, the idea that like all those people are already in Labour supporting him, the yeah. influx of Labour members already shows that it wasn't a Labour phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. Oh, it's, it's just Exactly. You know, XR, I think, like you said, with the spin-offs of Insulate uh, Britain and, and, and Just Stop Oil, I mean, in, 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 in general, XR, I think, I think XR, if I'm honest, were really hit by the, the, the pandemic. Yeah. I think as, as being a street-based movement, I think it was yeah. quite difficult. I think they did a big, another, you know, big London demonstration, but they didn't have, I mean, 
normally they do like rebellions in different parts of the UK. And from yeah. from what I remember, from what I know, it didn't happen because normally we organise the one in Cardiff and we get people coming over from Bristol, etc. And I think it's it was the thing with XR is that like although XR haven't like haven't continued the the, the pace they were, I think it, it's unfair because because of just stop just stop oil in state Britain, but also the cop the the cop um twenty yeah. you know the works yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the cop, um, the justice, uh, the, the cop justice group, um, and the, the 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 in general the climate as they changed now into the climate justice group, I think. Um, the demonstrations that they've been doing, these are the people that are from XR, like they're the people that yeah. were organising with XR, and I think it's somewhat unhelpful sometimes to to think about it is almost because it. I mean, the problem is that I think with with activist groups, and this is quickly going on a bit of a tangent, but I do think we've we've started to enter into mirroring the sort of neoliberal system even in the way we organize uh, like in the way that we don't have in the way that we have almost like activists on zero hour contracts almost yeah. like we have this consistent changing of just like new people I mean I remember when I was, when I was uh, more active in XR when XR were more active I should say and you know being there for a few good years the different people that would be like coming to like sort of the top although you know it's all horizontal yeah yeah like the people that started to take the reins i remember it changing like every few months i mean then and then you'd never see the people that were took the reins for that period ever again i, I some of them i don't know where they are i don't know where they've gone and and i think like we we've we, we don't see ourselves the capitalist class obviously see themselves as a class yeah we don't see ourselves as a class and I, and I think that's always seen by the way in which even like even in like groups like XR you see like the consistent sort of like recycling of activists and I think because of that that's why it's hard to be like XR because XR are, aren't even a thing if you know what I mean like it's not a membership group it's just a bunch of activists come together um and it's it's very decentralized I mean that was always a big thing that we always spoke about people always spoke about decentralizes and I think that's somewhat I, I actually personally not the biggest fan of that I think that's again sort of mirroring the whole TSA because the capitalist class are very centralized they're very centralized force and I think you know we are being decentralized doesn't necessarily always help us um I mean it can in certain circumstances but not always and anyway that like I think you know the the numerous people were part of it and now not part of it but I know the different that have continued are now part of the cop group are part yeah. of the the just stop oil campaigns and, and are doing things in 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 through those avenues and I think you know you can only support them I don't see just stop oil I mean it it's really sad to see like the people having a go at them because I don't think there is a greater fight when it comes to climate change than the fight against fossil fuels I mean you got 100 companies contributing 70 percent of emissions yeah. majority of which come from fossil fuels five percent of, of global emissions come from the pentagon and the american military industrial complex and what are they doing they're just bombing I, I don't know like how there can't be a group you could support more like it's, it's literally the group that is fighting against oil. I mean, that is that is climate change. Uh, something that the global south, you know, as we said, is facing already. And and the the climate change that is happening in those places is is often as consequence of the years old colonialism and exploitation exploitation and extraction of of their their natural resources. I don't understand. I think I think the the left now sees itself as almost like. Because I remember some people during the BLM stuff, like we would organize a lot with Extinction Rebellion. In fact, in the 2020, 2020 summer rebellion, the XR host in different parts of the UK, in the Cardiff, where we had people from Birmingham and, and Bristol come down, we had, uh, we based it all around 
BLM and we based it all around refugees as well. And we did a huge demo that over 2000 people came to, went yeah. outside the home office, then went into the Senate and it was all BLM chants, et cetera, et cetera. But so many people were questioning why, what Black Lives Matter has to do with XR. And, and, it, and it almost, it, 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 I think it's, it's a natural consequence of this perception of XR being middle class and white. So environmentalism, therefore, being middle class and white. And in certain circumstances, that is true. I mean, you get like a lot of environmental people, often it's from the older generation, who are very much into the environment and into recycling, etc. But equally, you have huge like radical movements of indigenous people in like Canada, in the US, to the loads of, you know, the, the loads of the civil rights movement that sort of started the modern day sort of fight against, you know, gentrification and power plants and all this sort of waste, you know, plants and all this sort of stuff that we're sort of like taking, sort of trying to take the sort of lessons from. But people just don't really see that. And I think, again, it's the abstraction of of how these things actually link together, because like quite clearly, like, you know, Iraq is the fifth most, where I was born, is the fifth most at risk country in the whole world from climate change. Mm. You know, the the the, the destruction of, of, of Iraq is from from the bombs of the West to, has, has explicitly led and, and the climate change of an increase in emissions uh, has, has, has directly led to what's been happening in Iraq right now and, and the destruction of the infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, ISIS taking control of dams in, in, in North Iraq and the fight, you know, the water scarcity, et cetera, and the cholera that is happening now in southern Iraq in the in the in the lakes of, of and the and the canals of Basra and all the all this horrible stuff how like that is removed from occupation yeah. and imperialism and climate change is then seen as almost like something that is natural and relates to polar bears mm. rather than relates to actual material world consequences and you don't even have to go that far you just have to go to the UK I mean you're 28% more likely to be at risk of bad you know of pollution if you're black or brown you know you've got Deborah Deborah Kissiella who was the first you know young black girl and um, first young person to die they think from pollution because it caused asthma I mean my sister is a jeep was a jeep always a jeep but was in london in kelburn and you see loads of young black people and young brown people come in and uh, talk about like asthma problems because of pollution yeah. yeah i mean even in cardiff you got like you know the waste dumping in in you know i think they then they they dumped it's like a waste in, yeah like i mean exactly and like in in butetown the the, the the amount of waste that goes into the the bay you know and it directly affecting those you know in 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 those areas you know go to bristol the most polluted parts of the parts that have the most multiculturalism the most eth- most ethnic minorities you don't have to go far but it's like this this complete divorcing of of what climate change actually means and it doesn't mean recycling it doesn't mean veganism it means the way in which as mark said all going all the way back talking about the you know in terms of soil and the, yeah, the yeah. degradation of the soil it's about the way capital works once they've exploited people they exploit the the land they, yeah. they, they, they and, and and i think that's missing from you know and i think that's never been something we've really been able to to sort of crack and and i and i don't really know why i think there's a lot there is a section of the left that enjoys calling xr out yeah, well, it, well, it's just, but it's almost this juvenile thing of like, if someone who annoys me likes something and I can't like that yes. thing, so it's like, yeah. what? So you're gonna ignore the climate catastrophe because you're so tough, you're yeah. a proper like worker, you know, you don't want to, you knock around with hippies or whatever. And obviously, the worst aspects of that workerism is unions like GMB calling for more nuclear power plants, calling for more armaments to be produced in the UK to go and kill people in 
Yemen or the Middle East uh, because that provides us with good British jobs. And I think that, yeah, I can't remember the secretary of the GMB is, but he literally says him on Twitter, like, we need to, like, Labour needs to break from these middle class hippie activists. And you're just thinking, is this just nonsense? It's to- totally nuts. And as you, as you said, I think John Bellamy Foster's written all this stuff about, you know, Marx and metabolic rift and, and and how capitalism destroys the earth and obviously is destroying the earth but you know in this voice that whales arc you, you know I, i'm talking about the blm earlier i guess the issue is then you know is is and it's the thorny issue that keeps recurring is how do we link these how do we link yeah. these things up because it's these things which are you know and, and you, you put it beautifully there like these things are obviously related aren't they like you know the climate change is related to class it's related to imperialism it's related to militarism you know but there is this weird abstraction that happens all the time like people don't put two and two together like people don't think where refugees are coming from or like where it's just like other like refugees aren't caused by war or something like that or as you said there is like this weird segmentation of, of issues yeah and it's like i think like i think in the left you have i think people i mean this is a bit cynical but i think you have people on the left who are somewhat obsessed with the post-revolutionary periods because they enjoy being like as if they're on the right side they enjoy the ideas that they can tell other people you're wrong it is real purity politics that like you're not doing you're not doing it exactly right and so i'm going to criticize you for doing it but i'm not going to do anything myself but i'm going to tell you you're doing it wrong (laughs) and like i think that's like such a i mean i think people because it's because the way in which identity politics has really woven its way, and, and I think there's always going to be an element of identity politics in left-wing movements, but, you know, identity can be used really positively. But mm-hmm. I think, like, the really toxic identity politics we see is people, like, they, and it's sad because you know it's partly because the way the capitalist system has really destroyed our communities, and it oh, makes sure. people feel like they have to find something they can identify with, and it gives them some form of, like, belonging. And you understand it, but then what happens is that, like, the, the idea that like people's identities, if we had a revolution, people's identities wouldn't really matter anymore. And and suddenly you would just be like everyone else. And I think that somewhat scares people who are obsessed with identitarian politics because they enjoy the idea that no no longer can they go up to people and call them out on things because like they wouldn't be able to call them out. I'm not saying it would be a utopia, but that ability for them to just sit back and 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 have a go at activists for not having this not having that not yeah. doing this not doing that would would no longer be there and that's what a large portion uh, portion of the of these people's personalities are based on really and then you obviously like you said you've got people like the gmb and other trade unions who then have co-opted a lot of the language of these people and then use it against the left and use it against organ you know work, workers use it against you know use the language that you know we we need to break from this sort of like woke sort of idea of the way you know that these people have never worked a day in their life what yeah, do they yeah. know about like you know what it means to be a worker they just want to they're just eating their tofu you know you see like pretty Patel now saying tofu eating liberal lawyers or whatever she said yeah. like you know it's it's just like I think it's a natural consequence, though, of just like how we've allowed our language to be completely co-opted, de-radicalized and completely used in a way that now can be just sort of diluted to mean absolutely nothing. Like how liberalism now is being seen as almost a form of left wing thought when liberalism is, a, is the ideological rival, you know, as much as any other left wing. Yeah. You know? like, but it's being seen as like we're liberals, like these liberal woke people. And 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 it's it's really sad. And, and how I think we get around it. I think I how I think about it, because otherwise I wouldn't continue doing what I do is. And I think, you know, same for you 
maybe I'm not sure how you get around it because it is very disheartening it's quite depressing is that I do like to think that the people that we see now in the left who are almost somewhat counter-revolutionaries quite honest with you and you have like random little anarchist groups who say like do not go to this exile protest because you will be arrested they're not they don't have these people this these like are you a cop like are you literally telling people not to go to a protest yeah well they even if they aren't cops they are you know they are do you know what I mean? They, they yeah, exactly. They essentially are. They function. They the exact same function. I think that's the biggest indictment of where we are on the left is that you don't, I mean, I never want to go around saying, you know, obviously there's a history of infiltration of left-wing groups by the police. But the problem is now is that the form of activism and behaviours that have caught on online through identity politics are indistinguishable from what the cops would have done anyway. So it's impossible exactly. to tell because it, you, don't need, you don't even need to infiltrate these groups because you've got enough people saying... Don't speak to this person. Uh, don't do this. Um, it's the it's the antithesis of collective action. It's the antithesis of doing anything. And there's this, as you said, there's this weird thing where like people's in- instinct with everything is to tear it down, is to wreck, is to yeah. go. Uh, why isn't this blah blah, blah blah blah? You know, why haven't you done this? And you're like, oh man, you do it then. Yeah. You know, they're all volunteer. But it's also a consequence of a lot of people having no conception of power. And what's happened is they've grown up like online yeah. sort of cancelling like corporations and like governments for doing oh that's terrible they then apply the same logic to like small political groups run by volunteers or like a little a, a charity shop run by volunteers and they have the same why haven't you done this and like yeah. and, and getting someone to apologize has become like that's a key thing we do we get people to apologize for not doing better and like but man Never, fucking never apologize because it'll it'll never end well because people don't care about apologizing and they just want to well um, exactly they just want you on your knees and i i, I think you know and, and this is you bang on though when you say that people who function as counter-revolutionary that's that's exactly they, what it is. they do and that's why the way i get around it is by thinking to myself quite frankly like the revolution will not include the majority of these people they no. will they, they they i mean you i don't even know if you consider some of them as on the left um, they don't do any they don't do anything no, no, no. Honestly, I don't know if you can see some of them on the left. I think at the end of the day, revolutions, I think we have a really idealized vision, a vision of revolution. Some people anyways, it's like, you know, majority, to be honest, like we, there's a high chance of this revolution. Like I know, like, you know, the Russian revolution was very sort of like um, peaceful, but there's there's a high chance that we could die in, in a revolution. Like, you know, the, it will be run and, and led by average working people, scores of them who have yet to even be politicized. You know, it won't be run by like, you know, just a select group of people who have a high following count on Twitter that like, you know, want to direct what happens. I mean, this is the thing that like revolutions are so organic that like you could never. I mean, we don't know when it'll happen, whether it'll even happen in our lifetime or whether climate change will destroy the world by the time it it could come. We don't know. But I think that's the way I get around it is that like I'm not trying to convert people who who are those people I'm, I'm trying we're trying to convert and radicalize the average person who yeah. really just sees their life as like quite unfair and and that's why blm although it has been somewhat of a disappointment 100 percent, there was a, there was a, a group of young people that yeah well, not even a group a, a huge amount of young people that filtered into the political movement and yeah we've lost some of them they've gone and they've 
lost interest or you know workers just to dominate their lives whatever you know some things happen but there was it is a good group of people that you know i know now that managed to radicalize and before they wouldn't even know really like what they thought about the world system and now they're like full-on marxist and full-on left-wing and, yeah, yeah. and 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 that that for me is like you know that that's a success because now i know the activist community in cardiff to quite frank is being held up by a lot of those people and without them because to be honest with you, a lot of the left that I used to know completely just fell off after Corbyn lost. You know, like you, you know, after Corbyn, sort of all the energy that went into Corbyn as soon as he lost, I didn't see a lot of them. It's be, it's because you know leftism has become detached from the working class and it's become detached from the trade union movement. So people aren't active in their workplace. Uh, they're yeah. active online. They're active in like the Labour Party, and then once those things sort of fail, they've got no actual roots back in yeah. sort of to, to the community. I mean. I've been on the, you know, visiting the CWU picket lines all week as part of my work. But, you know, contrasting the sort of uh, the amazing sort of banter and solidarity and sort of class consciousness in those picket lines with previous like, quote unquote, leftist activism I've been involved yeah. with in which identitarianism has predominated. Um, yeah. You just think it's just like night and day. It's really yeah. it's night and day. You've got all these working class lads who are out delivering the mail in like all weather and extremely taxing job all, all from like you know Grange and Butetown and you know with the most sophisticated political understanding way way more than you get in a university uh amongst yeah. academics like like not even it's not even close and yeah, that yeah. Is a consequence of actually being, being a worker but also being in a fighting union the CWU which trains its reps and inculcates actually actual class consciousness and the idea of the collective and it's just been really inspired. I'm actually, I'm, I know we're like living in in hellish times, but I actually, I haven't felt as inspired as I am at the moment. Um, no, exactly. I'm the And it's just from speaking. And it's just from speaking to posties. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I mean, the I think the strikes have been like such a massive lift. Yeah, huge. A, a massive lift that like I think that strike action has been you know not seen for so long. I mean, we've been in such a low level of struggle to be honest with you. Like it's you know I don't think like we've even seen anything close to like the strikes. You know, like the miners' strikes. You know, I don't think there's been anything close to that. You know, and I and I think the strikes now, the the wave of strikes going around America as well now. I mean, you're seeing strikes everywhere. I mean, you saw strikes. I mean, it's in China. You see strikes everywhere now. The strikes are going just like there's strikes everywhere. I mean. Yeah. I think like it's it's inspirational because you know I mean it's 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 actually this is what I mean by it. it's the actual work of, of it's actual <laughs> like it's actual people working like yeah people. of course it is yeah and and that's the difference is it's happening without the like without the left you know exactly you know I, mean, I was using air quotes obviously Mick Lynch Dave Ward uh, you know are left wingers but what I'm saying is it's happening without necessarily the activist left it's happening from people in their community and people in their workplaces coming together. Anyway, but but you know that's a that's a that's a that's a digression. We could have another episode on the, tr- the trade union movement. It's good to end on a positive note. You saying thank you so much for coming on, mate. Is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out to, uh, or start a beef with? <laughs> uh, if there's too many to list on the beef side, you do. Yeah, there's too many on the beef side. I'll say you don't, that. Have, you, don't have, you don't have to be specific. No, I think um, yeah, no, I think to be honest, like. The, what what's going on at the moment with with the strikes and 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 what's happening with still as much as it's been rumbling on is not as as level as it was the the anti police work uh, you know what people would like you know that I know such as Corbina and 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 others um I think you know it's it's 
you, you, we, I wouldn't be able to do what what I do or without them, you know. And and I think the the movement is is being held up by a lot of the activists that came out. Like you know, I also want to give a shout out quickly to like people like Claire James, um, from from like XR and and others and 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 Dave, um, because to, to be honest with you, like what the, during 2021 it was really difficult times with the police being right on us, and and and, and you you had to rely on a lot of people. Um, and certain people you couldn't really trust in the end. Um, but the people that have come out of that, possibly one of the, the most volatile sort of political situations we've had when it comes to the police in over like two decades. I think it really, it really, you know, showed me like the, showed me the true serious activists in Cardiff. Um, and, and, and to be honest, like, I think we've made some good ground on a lot of the work that they're doing and we're doing. Um, but I think, you know, we can only continue as, as, as much as we can and, and I think we still need to like organize far better than we have but I think overall there's been some positive developments I mean I just really quickly want to say like you know with the Mahmoud stuff I mean we got like six misconduct notices gross, gross misconduct notices against the police so I think we did a good job in, in, in pressurizing the police but I think it just shows that like that level of struggle is hard to sort of keep up. No, thanks so much for coming on mate honestly it's been a real pleasure um do you want me to mention anything about Asylum justice, to like donate to asylum justice, or no? oh yeah, you know what, you could donate. Uh, in fact, two things: if you could donate to asylum justice, which is a charity that I work at, um, that gives free legal representation to asylum seekers. We've actually got a Christmas appeal going on to to help those that require legal services, and you know we do everything free of charge. Um, but you know asylum claims are really complex, and we need to we we fund expert reports, and we represent them in court, so we need all the we need money to do that, and and also if people. We can't, I can't get funding for it because we're not yet a charity, but I, I started this thing called the LGBTQ plus law clinic, which gives free legal advice and representation by working with loads of firms nationally to LGBTQ plus people. So wow. if you want to follow that on Twitter and Instagram, that would be good. <laughs> uh, really imp- impressive activist, Hussein. So thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's been, it's been really fantastic. No, I really appreciate it, man. Hello, Paul Robson. This is Will Painter, President of the South Wales Miners, speaking. On behalf of the South Wales Miners and all the people gathered at this Ice Edward, I extend to you warm greetings of friendship and respect. We are happy that it has been possible for us to arrange that you speak and sing to us today. We would be far happier if you were with us in person. Our people deplore the continued refusal of your government to return your passport and to deny you the right to join with us in our festival of song. We shall continue to exert what influence we can to overcome this position. We look forward to the day when we shall again shake you by the hand and hear you sing with us in these valleys of music and song. As one of our Welsh songs puts it, and we dedicate it to you, we'll keep a welcome in the hillsides. We'll keep a welcome in the veils. This land of ours will still be singing when you come back again to Wales. And now, Paul, for the procedure for this evening. We would like you to give a message of greetings to the Welsh miners and the great audience here assembled in this Eisteddfod. And after that, to sing to us. And after you have sung, we have here on the platform the Triorchi Male Voice Choir, which is one of the premier male voice choirs in Wales. 
and they will sing to you a very beautiful Welsh song, A Deal in Ire. Over to you, Paul. Thank you so much for your very kind words. My warmest greetings to the people of my beloved Wales and a special hello to the miners of South Wales at this great festival. It is a great privilege to be participating in this historic festival and all the best to you as we strive toward a world where we all can live abundant, peaceful, and dignified lives. 